singing. Thank you so much for your help. You may be seated. Again, I don't believe uh, Brother Jim needs any introduction. We all know he's uh, definitely a man of God, and we encourage that he will be here and be able to fill in for a pastor. And uh, Brother Jim, we thank you. Thank you, Paul. When I first came to church here in Harvest Baptist, I looked and I said, I know this guy. But I didn't. But there was a bond between Brother Ken and me that's indescribable. And I've asked Ken, he'll come and, and pray for me before I begin this message tonight. Our Father, we just thank you for Jim and uh, the message that he's prepared. We pray, Lord, that you fill him with your Holy Spirit. Uh, just um, lift him up on high, Lord. We just pray for that you give him uh, the grace and the mercy and uh, to uh, preach to us. Lord, may we uh, have hearts of, to understand and, and to uh, learn. And we just thank you again, Jim, for preaching tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Thank you. You know, when I grow up, I want to be just like Ken. <laughs> As always, it's a an honor but a humbling honor to be trusted and asked to come and share God with all of you. And as I look around, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, so I'll leave out a couple paragraphs. <laughs> I want to talk tonight about, uh, about James and what he teaches us about a couple of the characteristics that they expect of us. For years, I've been enthralled with the person of James, the writer of the epistle. At one time, I taught an adult Sunday school class, and when they requested a series on, on James, I started teaching but I taught a topical course rather than a verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Because James talks in several sections about the same thing. He works them back and forth. And, you know, it takes me about 20 minutes to read James. I don't know about you, but I can read the whole epistle of James in about 20 minutes and still retain what I'm reading. That Sunday school class that we had lasted one full year, doing it topic by topic. And it was, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term small group atmosphere, but it was an open class. It wasn't just Jim telling them what it was. It was Jim bringing these ideas and having them express their feelings about it, keeping to the word. And Sherry can tell you, it was 
It was quite an experience. If you will, I'm going to read next from James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. If you want to follow along, James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity you've given me tonight to, to share how you've spoken to my heart regarding a couple of verses from James. I ask that you open the ears and the hearts of everyone. Help me to speak so that they understand what I'm saying, that we all might share in the message from James. I pray this in Jesus' name. Now I'd like to just take a few minutes before I get into the message to look at who this James is. Now, again, I think I'm preaching to the choir. Most of you probably know all this, but I've got to fill in the 20 minutes, so let me, let me go ahead and tell you. Okay, this James who wrote the epistle is not one of the apostles. He's not the brother of John, who the, together were called the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, or James, the son of Alphaeus. This is James, who along with Joseph, Jude, and Simon, is mentioned in Mark chapter 6 and verse 3 as brothers of Jesus. All three of them, sons of Mary. All four of them, excuse me. Four of them shared the same mother. Three of them were the sons of Joseph. And one, our Lord, was the only begotten Son of God. I believe we can assume, assume that James is probably about three years younger or more than Jesus. And the reason I say this is when you remember that Joseph and Mary and Jesus went to Egypt for a little while. And when they came back, there's no mention of anyone else being with them, just the three of them. So I'm just assuming that James was not born yet. James and his brothers did not believe in Jesus until after his resurrection. 
and they are mentioned as being in the upper room with their mother Mary when Jesus appeared in the upper room after the resurrection. And Paul tells us in the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15 and verses 4 through 7, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, again according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. After that, he was seen by James. Again, we're talking about Jesus' brother, who at first did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. But after seeing the resurrection Christ, his brother, he became a believer and ultimately a leader in the church in Jerusalem. And he's mentioned in Acts regarding the issue of whether or not new Gentile believers needed to follow the Jewish tradition of circumcision. The fact that James is mentioned separately from any others seems to me to indicate this was a private appearance just between Jesus and James. In my imagination, as I've tried several times to put together a novel, fictitious, but based on what I've learned and what Scripture says and some other sources. But my desire, ever since I started studying James, was to someday write a novel. I guess I better hurry up. <laughs> you know, in my writing, I tried to imagine that I was James. I am James, but I was James, the brother of Jesus. And I tried to work through some of the many situations and complex questions that James must have had, must have lived through all his life up to and after the crucifixion and resurrection. How would I like to grow up with an older brother that never, never did anything wrong? How would I like to have him leave home and a carpenter shop where we supported our family and travel with some fishermen preaching? And probably the most difficult for me was how he, how Jesus usurped my duties as the older son. After his horrible crucifixion, I became the oldest son. And finally, he given John the responsibility of caring for our widowed mother. That was my job. In the time his risen brother, Jesus, spent with James, I can only imagine their conversation. But at any rate, 
That experience and conversation changed James's life forever. Just as asking Jesus into my heart changed my life forevermore. As you also know from your own experience in your relationship with God, we're not the same we were. James tells us and or reminds us in chapter one of what we as Christians already should know. We should already possess these qualities. But we forget sometimes that we have access to patience. We also have access to wisdom. We have an understanding of temptation and of the source of every good and perfect gift. The ability, the ability now, I wish I was graced by it, but the ability to be swift to hear and slow to speak. Oh, got a long ways to go, right, Sherry? And how to demonstrate our religion. Tonight I'd like to talk to you about two of the qualities and proper perspectives relative to the subjects of endurance and wisdom that I believe we need to possess and handle or demonstrate properly if we are to show the unbelieving world by our changed lives the presence of Jesus in our lives. I'm going to repeat now those verses 2, 3, and 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you, call, you, know, you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now these verses dealing with diverse temptations are not speaking of temptations leading to sin, but of trials and testing. God does not, nor will he ever, tempt or provoke us to sin. Let me repeat that. God does not, nor will he ever, tempt or provoke us to sin. Please, don't ever allow or listen to someone telling you differently. Just don't let them do it. The fact that God will never tempt or provoke us to sin, I'm quite certain will be emphasized in Pastor Palmer's study of, on Job that's planned for next fall in the uh, adult Sunday school between services. By the way, if you're not attending Pastor Palmer's presentations between the services on Sunday, I highly recommend that you give them a try. 
I believe you'll be richly rewarded. Now back to James now. How much can you endure? Or maybe it's better to ask, how much do you think you can endure? That you can endure in the way of personal losses, personal failures, perhaps being a victim of abuse, or being completely overwhelmed by our circumstances. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get into so worked up about things that I can't do anything. You know, lockstep, I'm right there. I, I, you know, I can't physically do anything because I'm so jammed up with my problems, what I think are my problems. Perhaps some, there's some here tonight that can relate to these or other causes of extremely difficult stress and discomfort. Now, perhaps some of you here tonight may have been blessed by never suffering the loss of a close family member or friend. But I'm sorry to inform you, you will. You eventually will. Some that have suffered the loss of a child or sibling may have felt that they would never recover. And indeed, some sadly never do recover. Twice, Sherry and I have lost early-term babies. For me, those losses still cause me to wonder, what if? I can't and I won't try to speak for Sherry. Excuse me. But God, in his great love towards us, has greatly blessed us over and over and over again through the gift of adoption. Our son Scott, who's 54, our daughter Sarah, now 47, and our son Dominic, 14, who all you know. I wish I could say honestly that at those times of loss, I trusted wholly in God for his solutions. But it really wasn't until afterward that I could look back and see his hand working through those difficult times. I realize now that he was always there, always looking out for us, even when we didn't rely on him. I am convinced 
no matter what the circumstances might be or how severe the pain, that God can enable us to endure anything the world can burden us with if we will only trust and obey. I can't begin to understand such great love that the Father has for all of us that he sacrificed his only begotten Son that we might not only receive salvation but also earn the right to be called his sons. I can't understand, but I can and gladly do accept his gift of grace. Turning back to James now, if you want to follow along, still in chapter 1, but verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. If any of you lack wisdom, I see some people still looking for the page. James chapter 1, starting with verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. For at least half my life, that gives me a lot of years, I have prayed that God would help me learn about many things I felt and still feel are important to me in my life here on earth. In learning what I know about math and science and nature and, of course, fishing and gardening, and even more importantly, though, in my study of Scripture and my relationship with God, I found that the more I know, the more I know I don't know. It, it gets to be an, how should I say, an inexhaustible desire to keep going and going and going. I know some of you share that. You're reading scripture and it's really time for bed, but you can't put it down. Now, some of us get in a situation where we have to stop for supper, huh? My doctor tells me there is evidence to show that learning something new all the time is one of the ways to prolong the onset of Alzheimer's disease. Well, I sure hope he's right. My prayer went something like this, and it still does. Lord, please help me to learn so I can gain intelligence. And not just intelligence, 
but from that intelligence, gain understanding. And from that understanding, knowledge. And then because learning, understanding, and knowledge in and of themselves mean nothing unless they are used and applied properly, please grant me wisdom. So I can properly apply what I've learned and now understand. Dominic, not here tonight, but Dominic has often heard me say that the way to know you've learned something is to be able to teach it to someone else. Think about that now. And a good example of this, of course, is when you ask your son or daughter how to do something on your cell phone or computer. It's amazing what they know. If you'd like to, turn with me now to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. And I'm going to start reading with verse 6. And Solomon said, Thou hast shewed unto my servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, in an uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. Solomon received great wisdom from God. But it was up to him to apply that wisdom to all areas of his life. He proved to be a very wise in governing his nation. 
I'm sure all of you remember the example of the two women who claimed the one baby was, each claimed it was their baby. But he was very foolish in running his household, showing us that wisdom is both the ability to discern what is best and the strength of character to act upon that knowledge. What a lesson that is for us, at least for me. Something for all of us to ponder is this. Although no one has equaled Solomon in his wisdom, many, and I'm talking about many of you, have remained more faithful to the Lord throughout your lives than Solomon. Especially in our Christian walk, in our Christian lives. You think of it out now. Solomon made a mess of things. But I know that many here today are more faithful to God in your walk than Solomon was. We need wisdom, but even more we need a steadfast relationship with God, the source of all wisdom. Not everyone has great wisdom, but all have the opportunity to be faithful to God. Please, if you remember nothing else of what I've said tonight, remember that each one of us have the opportunity to be faithful to God. I'm not watching the clock, so I don't know how close I am, Paul, but I ask that you pray with me now, please. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you how, for how it has affected me, how it has touched my heart. I pray that there's some here tonight that heard your word, that heard you speaking to them. And I pray for each of them as I pray for myself that we go from here with the assurance that a right relationship with you is the very answer to every situation. In the, in the Old Testament, God told Moses to tell Aaron when he was talking to the people to pronounce a blessing on them. I don't know, I may be the only one who likes to do that here, but hear now this benediction. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
May he lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you grace, both now and evermore. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. If you can, uh, I'd like to close with hymn 337.